0: Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, strong and powerful Derek Lawson. Derek, are you ready to do this? Definitely. Excellent, let's do this. Derek is a CFP, he is a faculty member, in Texas Tech's financial planning program and he is a candidate for a doctorate in personal financial planning. I'm excited to have you on. Derek, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why it is you do what you do.
1: Definitely, thanks George. So uh, I always like to start interviews with kind of my family and then talk about what it is that I do. So my wife and I have been married almost seven years, seven years in September. We've got two dogs, a Golden Retriever, a Border Collie mix and a Black Lab mix, both of which are rescue pups. We enjoy the outdoors and spending time at the lake. So I was born in Denver, Colorado, but raised in Norwalk, Iowa, a suburb of Des Moines, Iowa, and ended up attending the University of Iowa for business and finance. I also played club hockey there. See, hockey's a passion of mine, and I've been playing since I was five. I still play in various men's leagues tournaments around the Midwest. Um, So as far as my work, it's been quite the seven years since graduating undergrad. I'm a certified financial planner, as you said, and I work with a firm uh, briefly in here and there, kind of part-time, uh, and that firm's called Priority Financial Partners, based in Durango, Colorado, and we serve clients virtually across the country, particularly young adult clients, young professionals. As you said, I'm a candidate in personal financial planning at Kansas State, just accepted the faculty position at uh, Texas Tech, and they're a top-rated personal financial planning program. And they're actually the, the first doc uh, program in the country to establish a doctorate in personal financial planning. So it's exciting to to move on nice. uh, and start my academic career at Texas Tech. And so I have extensive background in the industry, including my roles with the previous uh, fee-only advisory firm. Um, and I've served as a secretary for the National FPA Next Gen Group. That was a two-year position in 2015 and 2016. I served on the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, the NAPA group, their Genesis uh, group there, which is for members that are 33 and younger, served as their social media and marketing strategist, strategist for two years, as well as served as a role of treasurer for the Financial Therapy Association from 2015 to 2017. So service and dedication back to the profession is is one of my uh, big goals I and mean, something I want to continue to do throughout the rest of my career. But one of my biggest passions is helping young professionals better understand the world of personal finance and helping people overcome their fear of money. And so with that, my doctoral research focuses on relationship dynamics, physiological stressors, financial therapy, behavioral finance, and the consumption decisions with the primary focus of young adults. In their mid 20s and 30s. I published seven articles so far in my time as a doctoral student at K State in academic peer reviewed journals such as the Journal of Financial Planning, Journal of Financial Therapy, Financial Services Review. I've co authored a couple different book chapters one on money scripts, which is a realm of kind of your earliest money memories, uh, kind of a realm of financial therapy, and another discussing property and casualty insurance. And finally, I received my bachelor's in finance from the University of Iowa and my MS in family studies and human services with an emphasis in personal financial planning from Kansas State University and also a certificate in financial therapy from K-State.
0: Nice. That is uh, – you have done a lot of work, sir, in a very short amount of time.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's been a busy – Busy seven years since graduating undergrad, but uh, it's been worth it.
0: Nice. Uh, I grew up in northern Minnesota, and I certainly grew up playing hockey. How is the hockey in Texas?
1: Hockey in Texas, you know, we just moved to Lubbock, Texas uh, at the end of June, and and so I'm finding a a rink is two hours away Ah. in Amarillo, so it'll be quite the drive. Kansas, it was okay. I had to drive an hour to Topeka. But uh, I did spend three years in Kansas City and got to play quite a bit there. And that's actually the group of guys I go travel around the Midwest and, and play with.
0: Nice. Still, so, Well, life's all about adjustments. So, Right. Definitely. So this field of, of financial therapy is, is relatively new to me. Um, and I would have to imagine it's, it's an exciting and growing area. And I'm hoping you can talk to us about that.
1: Definitely. Yeah, financial therapy, it's for. It's almost been a decade. Was, I think it was about 2008, maybe early 2009 when it really started. And it started through a, a financial therapy association. And so financial therapy, which has been defined by the Financial Therapy Association, and I might go short by calling the Financial Therapy Association the FTA. Okay. But financial therapy is re- really is this integration of cognitive, emotional, behavioral, relational, and financial aspects of well-being and the goal is to improve the client's overall well-being and their overall quality of life and so what's so unique about the fta is that it's a mix of not only financial professionals but also mental health providers like psychologists and marriage and family therapists you know professionals that help people recognize and change their destructive uh, uh, behaviors through different patterns and, and they help them recognize those destructive patterns. Whereas a financial professional, such as a certified financial planner that might help develop and implement financial strategies to grow and protect wealth or accredited financial counselors that are going to help uh, typically help with credit and debt counseling. Those. So it's a, it's a good mix of people with the mental health aspect and background, as well as a financial background, both from the grow and protect as well as they manage debt and overcome debt and build credit. And so, really the financial therapy association is just that wonderful mix because you know typically financial planners or at least historically before the fta they've typically shied away from the emotional and the relational aspects while mental health providers have often shied away and not everyone but just often they've shied away from the financial aspects and that's because they're not it's not really a fault of either they're just not necessarily trained on the other aspects that encompass that total well-being but since the goal likely for these professionals is to improve the overall well-being of the client, which is definitely the goal of the FTA and their members, we need at least some training in all aspects. And so the FTA, they've recognized that and they've brought in these individuals where they can create this professional membership association where professionals from both disciplines are able to come together, share knowledge, and train each other on at least the basics so that other professionals in the other disciplines can be more aware of the clients, say, their behavioral aspects that so they have these tools and these methods that they can utilize that have been taught to them to help that client overcome an obstacle that they're facing. And if anything, it provides a connection to another professional that's trained in the area that you can always refer to if you think it's necessary. And, so I, and, and that's really a nutshell of what the Financial Therapy Association is and what Financial Therapy is.
0: Got it. And everything you just said makes all the sense in the world to me, it seems like. Why not have uh, an association? Why not have a designation, a course of study that, that, that really does work to combine all those different aspects, which are certainly present um, with our relationship with money? Um, how, is, how would you say that, that the process for engaging a client is, I think you probably touched on it, but how does it look different um, than a typical working with the financial or working with a a certified financial planner.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I think it it does look different. So I I worked initially as a certified financial planner at a firm that did your traditional financial planning. And it was holistic, much much tax and estate planning and kind of investment and retirement planning. And now having the training, when I come and meet with clients, uh, sorry, when clients come and meet with me, I, and we do it virtually, but we, we're going to spend the first two meetings or so getting to know each other. We don't need to be talking about the finances necessarily right away. I want to get to know you and I want to make sure that you get to know your spouse and understand um, what's going on from a family of financial anxiety or uh, your earliest money memories. And so when I meet with a client, the first meeting is typically kind of getting to know, okay, here's what we do and here's how we do it differently because the next meeting is going to be, Going through the uh, Money Script Inventory, which is a 51 item questionnaire that's going to get at your earliest money memories, and I'll get into Money Scripts a little bit later, um, and and also we go through the financial anxiety to determine how anxious you are. But that Money Script Inventory is really powerful because we typically meet with both spouses, unless one spouse is just absolutely adamant on not being there. We believe, and often in, in the financial therapy realm you're going to want to work with both spouses because it's a household level and what you do impacts your spouse and vice versa. And it's this kind of relational network um, from like basically a household mentality as a, what my father or mother did will definitely impact me in some way. And so there's all these different relationships and having both spouses attend that initial meeting is very important for us to get to know the spouses, their earliest money memories, whether or not they, and they uh, are a money avoider, money worshiper, I believe that self-worth equals net worth, or if they're very frugal. And it's often in that process that you'll go through the different assessments and the questions of, say, the money script inventory. And you'll go through one by one and say, now, you, you said you were a six on this, for example, without getting into what that money script is. Go through that, and then the spouse might say, yeah, absolutely they are that's exactly them. They are this, they, they, they do do these tendencies and they start having this conversation right away. And we haven't even touched how much money they have in their retirement accounts, uh, what their credit card balances are, any of their interest rates, how, you know, if they have an estate plan or insurance or anything, we're trying to get to know the client. And it's a deep exploration of the client's attitudes and anxiousness around money as well as their spouses, and seeing that partner interaction. Because that client communication, particularly communication between both spouses, is perhaps one of the most important pieces of what we're dealing with.
0: No, No two ways about it. I mean, I think you can probably look at a person's relationship with money as, for better or worse, one of the most important ones that they'll ever have, and then Probably the most important is the relationship with it they have with their spouse and their family, um, and then perhaps money. And if you never talk about or you never consider what your past history is and you don't talk with your spouse about that, you're missing a huge opportunity, right?
1: Definitely. That communication with the spouse is perhaps the number one thing, and that's, that's a lot of what my research has been focused on. Is not only client communication, you know, a lot of the research focuses on how financial planners can better and financial therapists can better communicate with clients, but also the stressors that clients have and how that impacts them, but also their communication with their significant other and how that impacts their overall uh, level of uh, relationship satisfaction, life satisfaction, and uh, the ability to ideally stay together. And, and, and so, because stress particularly stress around money. Money has been the number one stressor for Americans for many years and cited by the American Psychological Association and myself and uh, Dr. Britt Luter at Kansas state university and another uh, student colleague, we explored physiological stress responses and, and sure enough, the more stressed someone is due to the money that stress leads to conflict and conflict is a, uh, uh, conflict with a spouse is a significant uh, contributor to marital discord and ultimately marital disillusion or, or I guess, partner disillusion if the couple is not married. And so managing that stress becomes important in that communication with each, with each other.
0: Yeah. And even if somebody is, is a single person, this is, and, and I think that you it sounds like your, your work really focuses on young adults, somebody in their 20s that's not married, it's still extremely valuable to, 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 to look back and to understand why it is you act the way you do with money.
1: Definitely. And, and I think that's where going to see someone that's trained both in, you know, say, say you want to go to a certified financial planner or, or even an accredited financial counselor, depending on, on who you're going to see and for what reason, going to see someone that has also that, that a little bit of, at least a little bit of mental health training uh, background, going to see them to make sure that, you understand the root of your money troubles, or at least where your beliefs came from is important. And these professionals can help you discover that. And and maybe that single person, they're consistently spending more than they're making. They, they're going to be able, a financial therapist can be able to help you with that. Or if you've got anxiousness or depressed, maybe experiencing some depression around because of the money situation, that's what financial therapists are trained to do. And, Analyze an entire financial picture, but also help you talk about it and overcome uh, some of these mental blocks, perhaps, to help you develop strategies that might be able to to help you overcome these situations.
0: What do you think that some of the common roadblocks are in people engaging in this process, and why?
1: Yeah. So in terms of engaging in the process, to perhaps he. See- gay financial therapists is it's still taboo to talk about uh our money um so i think that's probably one of the biggest ones and and i don't believe that that needs to be the case we're actually more as a society we're more likely to talk about our sex lives than we are about our financial situation and and that's not necessarily a good thing there's a a, uh researcher i need to pull it up here real quick just because it's it's so ingrained in me as uh trotman is a a researcher in 1999 he stated "Money is still a major concern of nearly every american yet there remain minimal discussions around it it's still one of the most taboo subjects in our society and is a serious psychological problem and it goes on to this belief that that taboo mentality perhaps explains why clients disengage with financial planners or don't engage at all and they don't want to have that conversation because they're consistently told that they don't need, they shouldn't be talking about money, they shouldn't be sharing their salaries. But it's that sharing of knowledge; it helps us overcome some of these blockages. And so, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we don't. And particularly, I think the second reason is just that the financial world is not necessarily, or hasn't been necessarily, set up for young professionals in particular to work with financial planning professionals because they either don't have a ton of money. They don't have the AUM, so a lot of financial planners just discount them. But we're starting to see that change with the advent of the XY planning network. A ton of financial planners are starting to work with younger professionals, and they're doing so on an hourly basis. And most uh, recently was called maybe a subscription. So they're paying a monthly fee of maybe $79 or $100 a month, like your cable bill. And they're paying that so that they have unlimited access or access on a quarterly basis or whatever it may be to a financial professional. And so now it's just ensuring that those financial professionals also have at least some training in some sort of mental health realm or understanding of client communication.
0: Got it. I think that that all certainly makes sense. That was interesting, you mentioned it was in 1999 and that was one of the the big issues and now it's obviously 20 some years later and uh it's still one of the big issues so definitely two decades
1: later it's still still an
0: issue we'll get there eventually derek
1: (laughs) i I hope so (laughs) well
0: that's certainly uh almost exactly what it is that uh that, that that you are working on and it's exciting that there's an actual um i'm sorry it's it's a phd program at texas tech or it's a
1: so yeah the PhD program that I'm in is at Kansas State University and it is a, a heavy focus in the financial therapy physiological resp- responses and uh, uh relationship dynamic areas is, is the strong part of K-State's doctoral program. Now I'm going to go teach at Texas Tech but
0: right and and they're the first school in the country to offer some kind of a program that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, they're the first school to offer a doctorate in personal financial planning. There are only four universities in the country that do.
0: Got it. So interesting. Well, Derek, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them?
1: My difference making tip is that it's very important, particularly for spouses, to be sure that they're talking to their other spouse or if you're in a real any type of relationship, make sure that you're setting up a weekly or semi-monthly or monthly meeting and talk about your finances. Be open about it. Don't hide money from your spouse. Be sure to openly talk about it. And I think one of the best ways to do it is just create it, try to do a date night out of it. You know, whether that is, you know, I think one of the biggest things is to have a date night, make it kind of fun because it can be kind of an anxious meeting, maybe more of a boring topic for at least one of the spouses. So make it fun, cook dinner together. And have a have a monthly meeting about your finances. What went well, what went wrong, and how can you overcome it and what do you need to keep doing right?
0: Well Derek, I think that, that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. So thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you?
1: Thanks, George. Uh, you, they can follow me on Twitter at Derek Lawson2. Search for me on LinkedIn. Just search Derek Lawson or Derek Lawson CFP. And then my website is Derek R. Lawson.com. You can also find me at PriorityFP.com and soon at Texas Tech University's personal financial planning website.
0: Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Derek your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow him on Twitter, find him on LinkedIn, check out his website, all of which I will list in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Derek.